0: There's the cultivation cycle, which has all these different stages. And then there's, you know, what do you do with it afterwards? Uh, every state's got its own legal situation. Uh, any stuff you see on the post-harvest side, there can be some curing and drying. There can be some fungal infections there as well.
1: Yes. Um, so that, that actually, in many ways, comes back to your IPM program, you know, and many growers, there's certain things that they can apply throughout the early production stages and possibly halfway through the flowering stage before flowers are formed so that they don't have a lot of these different microbials present in the flowers that can then hurt them when they have microbial tests later on.
0: Yeah, well, because some jurisdictions have, it's like APC testing and other like yeast and mold counts, because we don't really have great food safety protocols. But they're like, look, if you're over, I think like 10,000 APC, we're like, we probably have a problem. I think that's like Colorado's doing that.
1: I agree. And I, in some ways, you know, they're, they're quite stringent right now on on the testing, and some of the different microbials that they detect that growers can can get disqualified for, in my opinion, you know, they are ubiquitous. You, you shouldn't expect a grower to, to not have possibly a few Botrytis conidia spores in your flower because, I mean, as we talk right now, we have this fungus all over our face. Um, so it's in some ways, I think that the regulations are the way they are just based on how that, how new this industry is. But some of the pathogens that that do hurt growers, you know, will end up not having negative impacts on, on whoever the consumer is.
0: I think there was uh, if I'm remembering correctly, there was like one person who got some poisoning from some super moldy weed that probably should not have been sold. Um, I think that was in, like, Colorado a year or two ago. I don't know. I remember hearing something about that. But, again, I wasn't working in cannabis and, like, still not working in cannabis much. So
1: No, I agree. And it can, you know, the quantity of microbials, yeah, certainly needs to be tested.
0: I've heard references to people talking about growing plants from seed. And I'm thinking, like, I don't know. Is there, like, some niche of cannabis growing where it really makes sense to grow stuff from seed? Because I was thinking most people use clones.
1: Well, um, there's a lot of advantages when you have stable genetics when you grow from seed. You know, you can have, uh, you get to control growth at such an early stage, um, and there's, you know, within cannabis, people are usually limited on space, and during propagation, you can do a lot with environmentals to have a very, very compact and well branched plug um, when growing from seed, because you usually have a longer time frame, um, and then when you grow from cutting, you're you're limited to the nodes. On the cutting that you take off the mother to how many branches you're going to have and how many times then that you need to pinch it, which then delays production. Um, So in my mind right now, there's there's very few consistent and uh, uniform genetics that can be produced from seed. And based on that variation, it's not efficient to grow from seed. But once the breeding is behind it, um, seed production could be extremely useful for growers.
0: Is there anywhere that folks should go to look you guys up or to see what kind of resources you have available?
1: Sure. So um, we have a a very in-depth website. So feel free to visit us online, Fluence Bioengineering. Um, And on there, we have a few different resources to kind of, you know, that'll talk about a few things that we've discussed today, like um, how different environmentals um, in combination with light influence plants differently. uh, And that's called our Photobiology Guide. That's a good resource. Um, And we have multiple other Uh, research, research case studies as well as resources dedicated to specific facets of growing that are on our website.
0: I don't know. Like uh, cannabis has kind of like a free-willing spirit to it, but it's just like any other plant where you really got to be pretty pretty on lockdown with how you want to take care of it.
1: No, I agree. And uh, and where it is right now, lockdown is the right word. People are people are taking taking the <laughs> right precautions. I've never seen such clean and sterile facilities, you know, we used to grow hundreds of species under the same roof and have a dog walk around and Um, And, you know, even though it is, and even though you and in those those settings, you are able actually to keep things pretty clean and free of pests and disease. But cannabis is is such a high value right now. You can't even risk the smallest thing. So, uh, yeah, you're right. It's a fascinating time to be in horticulture and to be part of this industry.
0: So you kind of mentioned like all these different environmental conditions and how you as a grower with the greenhouse or with an indoor grow facility kind of. Make sure that you set those to actually support your plants instead of stress them out. Um, so kind of almost like a grower 101, it sounds like that would be kind of useful to go through.
1: Yeah, no, sure. Um, so it's interesting. I'd like to give an example. Um, let's say in floriculture production, in flower crop production, uh, there's a crop called a garden mum. And uh, it's a short-day crop, meaning that uh, you have to grow it during a certain amount of time uh, under a long day, which is longer than 12 hours. And then once you want to trigger it into flowering, trigger reproduction, you put it under 12 hours, a short day, and then it takes six weeks and it flowers. That's what's called a short-day crop. Um, and garden mums, chrysanthemums, I think are one of the... the um, the largest uh, ornamental crop grown in in the world uh, between dianthus, carnations, poinsettias. But uh, what we've learned with that crop is that temperature um, outside of the length of the day, the photo period, temperature can also trigger flowering and it can also delay flowering. So for example, this crop, since it's a short day crop, it usually flowers in the fall as day links slowly get shorter. Um, And usually during that transition naturally, the plant also encounters cooler temperatures. So with the cooler temperatures in line with the photo period, you can have a much stronger flowering response than if the temperatures were moderate. It's fascinating. And if when you say
0: stronger flowering response, you're talking like higher yield, it happens faster. Like how does that work out?
1: No, no. I'm glad you pointed that out. So And you have to be careful because a stronger flowering response means faster time to flower. Um, And so that doesn't always equate to more flowers. It just means you're going to flower faster with the flowers you have. Um, And so within floricultural crops, you have what's considered to be a critical flower initiation photo period and then a critical flower development photo period.
0: Right. And tell us what that critical flower initiation means for anybody who's not like in the horticultural field.
1: Sure. So um, if we think about the garden mum, and like I said, naturally, it starts to flower as day lengths get shorter. And what is that starts threshold? Right. So as day lengths hit 12 hours, that flower, that plant is triggered into initiating the process of flowering.
0: Right. So that's just how it knows when it's time.
1: Yes, and when I say initiation, that means it's not 100% yet focusing on flowering, but it's starting the process physiologically. And then as the day lengths get shorter, then it goes from 12 to 11.5 to 11 to 10.5 to 10. Then once you hit around 11 to 10.5, you have what's considered the critical flower development photo period. And this is when the plant Um, stops lateral growth, and only focuses on flowers. And so um, the reason I I bring this up with this crop is because, you know, we briefly talked about cannabis earlier, and cannabis has the exact same schedule. You have to go through a long day, and then it's triggered to flower under a short day. And with these um, indoor facilities, you have such precision with these other environmentals, that you can now possibly facilitate a stronger flowering response from understanding what these other environmentals can do in regard to a human objective with the crop. So I'm going to go back real quick to the to the. Um, the natural cycle with a garden mum, let's say that you have um, a summer that lasts longer than expected. So your temperatures are warmer for longer. Uh, Even though the day lengths may get shorter and the flower starts to initiate, but your temperature is too high, the temperature can trump your photoperiod response and it can delay flowering. Um, and that's just called a delayed flowering response. And so temperature in some cases can have a stronger impact than the typical photoperiod response. I I just like to bring that up because in indoor agriculture and precision ag, we're able to separate every single one of these elements and basically have a dial (laughs) um, and and use it to our advantage. So if you wanted to, let's say, instead of using a 12-hour for a short day, use a 10-hour for a short day and decrease your temperature, you could possibly speed up your time to flower by a week, week and a half to two weeks. And then we, then we talk about cycle times differently.
0: Yeah, so even though it may not change the yield or it may be even a slightly lower yield, if you can pack in more cycles per, per time period, then that may pencil out, especially in really expensive indoor environments.
1: Yes, and something that has yet to be tested, at least to my knowledge, in cannabis Um, and I'm actually working with a few growers on it right now, is when I say we have a stronger uh, flowering response, um, yes, that means faster time to flower. But the question is, what does that mean for secondary metabolites? What does that mean for these phytonutrients, terpenes, flavonoids, um, CBD, THC? Uh, how does how does that influence not only just flower count and yield, but also these quality compounds that growers are trying to generate? So even though you may reduce your yield, could you possibly increase your secondary metabolites by a third? You know, by having a stronger flowering response in general.
0: Interesting.
1: It really is, and precision ag now indoors with cannabis it's just leading the way with us getting to the point where we can think about these things so independently of one another. Whereas in a greenhouse, you can have, let's say, you know, one of the best greenhouses possible, but you're going to have some influence from uh, outdoors on that environment, just, you know, just based on either solar radiation and heat um, or the ability to vent at a specific rate to, to relieve you know, humidity, pressure, or whatever it may be. There's certain limitations within a greenhouse, even now, that, that we're able to surpass in an indoor environment.